You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help. Hello, and welcome to the Salty Sex Cast. It is episode 63, and it's Mariah here with a wonderful guest, Christine DeLosier, who's coming on phone, phone interview. <laughs> so I was waiting for someone else to help talk, and I just realized I'm by myself because Pamela's not here, and she's sorely missed right now. I'll do my best, but I'm no Pamela. I know. Thanks, Brady. I appreciate <laughs> it. So hello, Christine. Um, you are a acupuncturist, herbalist, and author. Tell us a little bit more. Sure. So I specialize in treating sexual health in my private practice. And so I help uh, male and females to have, and of all genders and identities, to have better sex. Uh, We start with acupuncture. And I also work with patients one-on-one to develop dietary habits, which support their treatment goals. So a long time ago, I trained to be a research scientist, and uh, I've carried that over into my practice with my patients, and I've done a lot of research to discover ways to have better sex through diet. Uh, So I I, I discovered so many ways uh, through research, there was so much research to support this, that I wrote an entire book about it. That's fantastic. And this book is called Diet for Great Sex. And um, so you were just prompted because of all the knowledge that you have gone through. And, you know, who do you feel like this book is best meant for? I would say this book is, it has a pretty broad, um, broad appeal because all of us would like to have better sex. And all of us can have better sex. Uh, the earlier, the better. You know, the earlier you start taking care of uh, yourself, the, the better your sex will be throughout the duration of your life. And, you know, we think of great sex as a psychological phenomenon, you know, the, the right person, the right mood. But physically, physiologically, great sex is when our nerves fire rapid, strong impulses to and from our genitals. It's when our blood vessels are delivering adequate blood flow. And this is important for females as well as males because, you know, we all know that males need adequate blood flow, but females need adequate blood flow for pleasure, for orgasm, for lubrication, for our overall uh, arousal response. And then thirdly uh, is balanced sex hormones. So when all of those things Mm -hmm. are working optimally, we will have optimal pleasure. Yeah, we need to feel all those things that are kind of in the inner workings for pleasure. Exactly. And diet affects all of those. There's tons of research to support that, too. And um, there's, there's research as well to, to support the, the idea that we can uh, have a more responsive um, genitalia, for example, that's more responsive to our partner's touch simply through eating better foods. Wow. If all of us just knew, you know, what to eat to be able to experience that, obviously, you know, reading this book will help with that. Um, What can, what else can be found like in this book? Sure. So first, the first part of the book, we talked about uh, 
the science of a great sex diet. So every every kind of um, dietary recommendation in the book is supported by a huge amount of scientific research, but it's also done in a really fun and conversational way. So, you know, when I wrote the book, I said, you know what, there's so much medical jargon. I don't want this to be one of those really boring, you know, medical books, but I also wanted it to be solidly supported by medical and scientific research. So I reviewed, you know, countless clinical and epidemiological studies, but I wrote it in a way that is fun and easy to, um, easy to absorb. So, um, so there's that. The first part is the science, and then we move into some of the traditional Chinese dietary recommendations. What did, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, um, how did they conceptualize great sex and how to have it through, uh, through, through our diets? And then later on in the book, we talk about some other kind of environmental factors uh, to, you know, that affect our hormonal balance, that affect us physiologically and in sexual function. And finally, just to kind of pull it all together, we've got some uh, meal plans, recipes, other recommendations. And as a bonus, there's an entire chapter dedicated to uh, tips on oral sex oh. so that we can take care of our partner. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I love that, you know, it's all evidence-based um, from your book, you know, obviously with all the research and everything that you are, you know, you've completed on it. However, it's easy to read. Um, I can't tell you how many <laughs> books I've read on these kinds of things, and it's just so dry and boring. And that's not what we want when we are talking about sex, right? We want it fun. <laughs> exactly. Well, not you know, dry, dry and boring. Exactly. Well, <laughs> definitely not. I mean, the, all the books that I see out there, not on this subject in particular, but so many books are either one or the other. Either they're fun and funny, but they don't have much substance, you know, not much meat, you know, on it. Mm -hmm. Or they've got tons of meat on it, but who the heck wants to read it, you know, because it's so boring. So mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to, to make it, you know, make it something that people like like to read and, and gives them a lot of great information. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, that's why we have this podcast. We want it fun, but also accurate and educational as well. Um, so... In your book, you talk about the trifecta of great sex. Can you explain a little bit more on this? Sure. The trifecta is, you know, blood flow, nerves, and sex hormones. You know, those three things, when those are operating at their best, sex is at its best as well. So, you know, when, uh, when our partner touches us, the first thing that happens is we have nerve impulses that, that travel, you know, from our genitals to our brain, well, to our spinal cord. Some of them are reflexive, you know, this, this signal goes from the genitals to the spine and triggers arousal. Some of them are, are you know, go up to the brain and signals pleasure, signals, uh, again, the whole uh, arousal cascade. So, And then what happens is we get an influx of blood to the vagina, the clitoris, and the penis, um, depending on, on the person. And this is what you know, initiates, uh, initiates erection or clitoral, uh, you know, filling the, the clitoris with blood and, and getting that clitoral erection as well. And depending on how strong these nerves fire, uh, that determines how much pleasure we have when we've got, you know, so for example, if you look at people with 
type two diabetes, one of the first, uh, one of the big side effects of that is that they get nerve damage, which affects them sexually. So sexual dysfunction is a huge side effect. But you know, you don't have to be diabetic to be concerned about how quickly your nerves fire. Uh, but anyways, but but for example, uh, when those nerves fire fully, we know that they um, that there's not as much pleasure. So in, in the case of females, they get um, more difficulty achieving orgasm, more, you know, difficult, not as sensitive to their partner's touch, that sort of thing. We know, for example, um, that when we supplement patients with diabetes, with antioxidants, these nerves fire stronger, quicker nerve impulses and that they have higher sexual satisfaction. Yeah, it's all about what what you're putting inside your body to take care of your body, to have it right. work optimally. Optimally, yes. Yes. Almost. Yes. <laughs> Look at my making up words today. <laughs> um, so you know that diet really does affect our sex lives. Um, you know, you're talking about nerve endings and hormones. Um, typically, most people don't go to diet when they're thinking of optimal sexuality, right? Right. So right. how do you talk to your clients even about diet and saying, hey, have you started with this? Is this, you know, what's something that you kind of start with to pitch that? Uh, just, you know, suggesting that, first of all, there's a lot of evidence to support it. It's not, you know, uh, it's not something that we would initially, you know, instinctively think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go towards diet, but it works. And there's, you know, there's research to support it. There are case studies to support it. There, you know, I have evidence from my practice that shows that it does work. People are a lot more satisfied in their sexual lives uh, when they change their diet. But, you know, everybody is different on this pathway towards, you know, changing your diet. Some people are really excited and they want to make a big change. They want to completely revamp their diet, you know, throw out everything in their refrigerator and, you know, go to Trader Joe's and, and, and mm-hmm. stock up on the healthy stuff. And other people just want, you know, don't want to be overwhelmed. So one of the first things that I like to try with patients is changing your weekly lunch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, nobody wants to go out with their friends to eat and then be eating a salad while everybody's having like a big, you know, steak or cheeseburger or something. Oh, so I was hoping you didn't say steak. Uh, hungry. You, you bummed me out. So I can't have steak for better sex. All right. I'll put that on the list. Well, you know, the, those are the hard changes. The easy changes are maybe just changing your lunch every day. You know, if you're, you're going to work anyways, it's not like you're hanging out with your friends. Change your lunch. You know, bring one of the best things that you could have for a, a healthy sex lunch is a big, huge leafy green salad with a uh, fake yam or some squash. And there are a couple of reasons for that. So leaves are probably the absolute best thing that you could put in your body for great sex. And they're, they have so much to bring to the table. They, first of all, uh, they are high in naturally occurring nitrates, which dilate blood vessels. Mm-hmm. They promote vascular health. You know, so they're good in the short term and in the long term. They also reduce cortisol levels. Uh, they have phytonutrients, which, which reduce cortisol and therefore help optimize testosterone. So cortisol, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, is a stress hormone. 
which can completely sabotage testosterone. And that's not just important for male sexual function and libido. It's also very important for female libido and, and other things as well. So it helps optimize testosterone. It also contains lots and lots of uh, minerals, which are, which are great, and antioxidants, which are great for helping speed nerve conduction. So again, it addresses that entire trifecta of great sex in just one single um, one single food. And then you've got yam or yam or baked squash or something. Um, those are both high in potassium. Mm-hmm. So h- humans used to get about 10 times as much potassium in their diet as sodium. Now, in modern times, with all the processed foods and we're busy and we, we, we aren't able to prepare meals, we take in about 10 times as much sodium as potassium. And that wreaks havoc on our blood vessels, and including the blood vessels leading to the clitoris and the penis and the vagina. So eating, pota- eating a high potassium diet, higher potassium diet, it offsets this damage by salt, and it also in and of itself promotes vascular health. It, um, it protects that delicate inner lining of blood vessels and helps make them more elastic and able to deliver more blood flow. Wow. Yes, there's so much going into just that one meal that you can start. Um, I know when people hear diet, they kind of automatically start panicking and think, oh my gosh, there goes all of my freedoms. Um, I really enjoy food. Like they think it's going to be a miserable experience, probably because of the diet culture that's out there. So, um, you know, what foods uh, are you finding that people are still very much enjoying and don't feel like they have to like completely, you know, bodge out, you know, get rid of everything that they enjoy, but still have that benefit? Yeah. So, you know, diet culture is this idea that we need to feed our bodies into submission, you know, that you mm-hmm. nope, you can't, you can't enjoy food anymore. Yeah. Nope. You've got to just live a life of <laughs> complete, you know, denial and, you know, denying your body. Um, but, you know, remember we've got, we've got seven days in a week. We've got 21 meals. And honestly, when we put, when we nourish our bodies and, and really are kind to our bodies through the foods that we eat, um, we enjoy the, the few meals even more that, that do have maybe higher fat and higher sodium and all those other things. Um, so we don't, I, I don't ever like to tell patients to just completely, you know, never eat the foods that you like, because I don't think that's really sustainable. And especially when we're socializing with our friends and we go out for a meal, we want to kind of unwind and, and enjoy that a little bit. But when you can, when you can have, um, 19, you know, 18 or 19 good meals in the week, and you've got three that you, you know, are, are uh, splurging a little bit, you can still have a great sex diet. So um, it's especially sometimes what I, what I tell patients is this because we don't, we don't want to feel constantly deprived. Yeah. Maybe try to during the, the work week, you know, that's your work week. That's the time when you buckle down and you, you are a little bit more disciplined. So try to make all those, you know, say five days a week, be a little bit more strict and then a little, you know, a little less strict on the weekends. Um, and, and you will feel better. So you get the benefit of that uh, as well. 
people who follow a diet where you have, you know, for example, having a salad every day for lunch with a nice, you know, nice, you know, really leafy greens like spinach and romaine and mm-hmm. all those vegetables, you'll have more energy. Your, your body will be delivering more oxygen to your muscles. You have less fatigue. So you, it's just overall you, you just feel better. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, you tell anyone, hey, eat better and you're going to perform better. You're going to enjoy sex more. I think way more people would be <laughs> eating better just telling them that. Hey, right. how's your bedroom health? You know, this yeah. will affect your bedroom health. This and this and this reason. I mean, I think we would just have a healthier society in general. Well, I, I for yeah, one, right. I for one have been saying all along that if we told people that the coronavirus caused erectile dysfunction, that we would have beat this a year ago. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it would have made it. It would have made it a week into the United States, and we would have solved this problem. Mm-hmm. I do have one question though. Yeah. yeah. When I go to the store and I go shopping, I see keto cupcakes. Where are the sex Oreos? And when are you going to market those? Oh my those? goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so let me tell you a little bit about the sex Oreos, okay? Unfortunately, the, <laughs> the sex Oreos might taste pretty good, and you can, I'm sure, use them in lots of fun ways, but it, immediately after eating a really sugary meal like that, testosterone mm-hmm. just takes a dive. Yeah. Um, so that's a short-term and long-term, you know, you get long-term hormonal disruption and even a short-term decline. So that's not what you want to be having on date night for sure. Oh, I can't tell you, you know, heavy meals or just not good meals. And then you're Sushi just like, always ruins it for right? me. You're just blowing <laughs> it. I eat too much of it. I know. I know. So, who, you know, just having those meals and knowing, hey, we're setting ourselves up for a good evening with this meal. And then what we're yeah. going to be doing after. How fun is that? Um, I would love to know a little bit more of like the, you know, the female libido and everything and how diet affects that because we have so much research to help men and 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 what helps with that but I feel like sometimes women get shelved a little bit in that area because you know our performance really isn't dependent on a few things like you know an erection so right right our anatomy works you know, yeah. we could have sex whether or not we like it, you know, mm-hmm. whether we have a libido or we don't, we, we still could have sex. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, research is always focused more on male sexual function, male sexual pleasure. And, you know, relationships have typically more focused on male sexual pleasure. Um, but the the principles, quite honestly, are very similar. I I saw so much research that was equally applicable. Uh, Many of them were studies on males. There were plenty of studies on uh, females as well. And the the mechanism is the same, you know, both male and female, we want blood flow. Blood flow is definitely um, big for that arousal response. Mm -hmm. For libido, you know, our sex hormones are, are really crucial in libido. And there's so many things that really do disrupt our sex hormones both diet and then the environment in which we live nowadays. We're exposed to a lot of different uh, substances in our air and our water that there, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to find in the research when I took a look at this. I was curious. I I was thinking, you know, I wonder, you hear so much talk about, um, you know, how environmental toxins, you know, affect us, but what's the, what's the science on it? You know, do we, do we know 
um, scientifically that this is true, and, and we do, absolutely. There's tons and tons of research to show that um, what the cadmium and, you know, other toxic heavy metals that we're exposed to in, on a regular basis, we're not talking about, you know, living next to a, um, you know, a factory that's dumping. We're talking about just everyday people living in everyday society and what they're exposed to on a regular basis does absolutely um, disrupt sex hormones. And so, but there are ways that you can, that you can deal with that as well. Um, and, and particularly for something like libido, we, we definitely want to want to, um, uh, you know, for female libido and, and male libido, we definitely want to be optimizing this balance of, of hormones. Uh, one of the things we can do is, is this, all of these environmental toxins, the studies have shown that our bodies absorb less of them when we keep our mineral status high. So when we're eating that salad for lunch, for example, um, the dark leafy green salad, you know, with some broccoli and, you know, with our big jam, the more uh, things like magnesium and calcium that we're taking in in our diet, the less our bodies will absorb those environmental toxins. And that's been shown in research. And then as far as dealing with damage from environmental toxins, Upping our antioxidants is one thing that was shown consistently in research, you know, so upping, you know, vitamin C, um, you know, vitamin A and things like that was shown to offset a lot of the damage because a lot of the damage is in oxidative stress. So mm. these antioxidants basically helped with that. Um, it's not just a hormonal thing, you know, it's also a nerve thing. So it affects nerve function and it affects our hormones. Um, but so sorry if that's like a little bit of a skip, you know, <laughs> as far as your question about female, <laughs> about female, um, you know, addressing female concerns, um, uh, is, let me see. Another thing is just a shift in our, our attitude towards that yeah. because more research needs to be done. If we, if we want more focus on how to help, um, females have better sex. We need more studies that focus on female. So right now, I mean, just as in the bedroom, and this is, you know, something that so many females complain of is that, you know, whether you're watching, whether it's in porn or whether it's in society or whether it's in relationships, the focus, uh, you know, in porn, um, the acts end with male ejaculation, you know, and there's like this token effort towards yes. pleasing a female and it's easy and it just comes naturally. And she's just, you know, in ecstasy after the, you know, with the slightest touch. Um, and, you know, in science, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like, um, you know, we have Viagra, <laughs> we have Viagra and we have a couple studies that show that Viagra does in fact improve sex with, females but it's not approved for for use with females mm, so yeah. um yeah. but not that you know but most of us it, it, at least in the book too we don't necessarily want to focus on the pharmaceutical approach i mean many of us want to you know kind of try to tackle this naturally you know yeah. especially for the long term you know long term it's like you can pop a pill you're going to get an increase in in blood flow um but if you want long-term uh sexual response you definitely want to focus on on diet and it's just something you can do in your home you don't need this doctor that's you know prescribing this um you know and speaking of like 
what to eat and how you found that information, what were, you know, how did you come up with this diet plan to increase sexual pleasure? So basically all of it is just based on, I mean, I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies that I, I poured over to, to shape the dietary recommendations. It's everything in there is just based on what available research we have on it. I mean, I'm sure that there's, there are other pearls of, you know, nutrition with regard to sex that, but they may not have been studied yet. So this focuses all on stuff that has scientific evidence to support it. Um, so basically taking all that and then what, what I, I saw, I looked at it from a, you know, a bird's eye view and see to see, okay, what are the general themes here? Well, one of the general themes is eat more fruits and vegetables because mm-hmm. you'll get more antioxidants and the antioxidants are going to help that whole, you know, trifecta of great sex. Um, you know, so that's just one very general thing, but, there are other specific foods that bring so much to the table. You know, leaves are one of them. So leaves are going to be a staple of the, uh, you know, a core part of this diet. Um, so, you know, let, let's, let's take a look at other primates, for example. You know, if we look at other primates, primates sit around eating tons and tons of leaves and berries, you know, all day long. We are primates and we've, you know, gotten very, very far away from that. You know, we get so much of our food that it's really unrecognizable as far as where (laughs) it originated. Oh, yes. Yeah. As I have a burger bag sitting on the table next to me right now, I feel... (laughs) But that's the thing is we're, we're definitely, you know, not shaming any diet. We're just saying, hey, increase these things. Right. And, you know, of course, there's the things that try to avoid, just like you were telling Brady with the Oreos. Um, So increasing those fruits and vegetables, dark leafy greens is what I'm hearing is just really rich in potassium. I'm taking notes. He's taking notes. (laughs) Hey, and he's married to a registered dietitian. So, you know, if he's taking notes, he's listening up. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, there's stuff that you can do in the short term and there's stuff that you can do in the long term. So there's both in the book. So there's like a daily, you know, like daily and weekly mm-hmm. menus, you know, for long term. And then there's a, a date night sex menu. And those are all the, the foods that were shown to have an immediate effect either on blood flow or, for example, that maybe don't take your tank your testosterone. Because, like, a high-fat meal has oh, been yeah. shown in, in research, and a, and a high-sugar um, meal will tank testosterone. But um, and, and then a high-fat meal will also stiffen blood vessels within a couple hours of eating it. Mm-hmm. A high-salt meal will stiffen blood vessels measurably within 30 minutes of eating it. But, interestingly, um, a, an omega-3 rich meal like fish uh, mm-hmm. actually had the opposite effect. It actually helps blood vessels be more elastic and um, improved arterial function within a couple hours of eating it. As opposed to, you know, some even though it's higher in fat, it still had that benefit to blood vessels. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brady, the sushi is okay for you. Just skip the rice. I probably need to just eat less of it too. Yeah. Because I, yeah. yeah, I try to, I try to, I don't get sushi very often. So I end up eating like pounds of it. <laughs> it is oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. I love sushi. I love sushi. <laughs> so Christine, I'm curious of all the data and 
you know, research that you combed through and just really were, were finding all these fantastic things to put in your book, what was maybe the most odd piece or surprising piece of evidence that you found that you were like, really? I'm just kind of curious, well, like an odd fact. Yeah, the most surprising and absolutely fascinating thing that I found uh, was all the research on mushrooms. So mushrooms, you know, the inter- oh. the, yeah, the very interesting thing about mushrooms is that they, um, the way they operate in the body. So they address this entire trifecta of great sex. You know, there's tons of research showing that they benefit the cardiovascular system. They speed nerve conduction. They actually help repair nerve damage. Um, they actually even help regrow nerves. You know, they help encourage it, some of them, depending on, on the mm-hmm. mushroom. Uh, and they help balance sex hormones. You know, they just bring so much to the table. But the really surprising fact about them was the way that they do that. There were lots of different sh- studies showing that mushrooms actually improve the, the biodiversity of um, and improves the microbiome. So it increased um, beneficial bacteria and microorganisms while um, slowing growth of pathogenic bacteria so it basically yeah so in it in each of the mushrooms brings something unique to the table so it had a a slightly different effect um on the on the microbiome beneficial effect but even white button mushrooms you don't even have to get fancy Mm -hmm. white button mushrooms improved the diversity of microorganisms in the digestive tract oh that's fantastic wow just that simple adding mushrooms into your diet and putting them on your salad. I'm always trying to figure, I love mushrooms. So I'm always trying to figure out how to sneak them in our meals. You know, my kids don't yeah. love them. So we're always <laughs> navigating that, but that's really neat. They have an anti-inflammatory effect. They are great for the immune system and they, you know, have that benefit that we talked about, of, you know, the trifecta of great sex. If you want to have, if you want to give, somebody that you care about mushrooms um, and they they don't like them. There's a recipe in the book for uh, chaga chai latte. And there's this mushroom called chaga. It grows on birch trees. Hmm. It is one of my favorite things. I just love, I love this mushroom. It comes in these chunks. It kind of like embeds itself in the um, bark of these trees. And it was used in World War II as a coffee substitute because when you boil it, it it becomes this like caramel colored, you know, just like coffee Hmm. and you have it with honey and it has these vanilla overtones. It tastes really nice. So there's a recipe in there for what I do is I, I cook my chaga um, with some fennel and fresh nutmeg, um, which also happen to be aphrodisiac and also some cinnamon and some cardamom. I throw in a little bit of vanilla and mix it with some honey and almond milk and it tastes delicious it's a delicious um chaga chai latte so brady instead of your sex oreos you get, I get tea. Sex la- I yeah get, that, you know what though i'm gonna so good i'm gonna call it uh i'm gonna call it rationing coffee <laughs> because i feel like if i tell people i'm having a tea they'll look down on me so i'm gonna call it rationing coffee <laughs> so you you taught you you touched on aphrodisiacs does your book have a list of like are they like clinically studied aphrodisiacs or are they just sort of like, eh, most people get this response. 
so all the aphrodisiac, well, mostly aphrodisiacs I included. There's a whole chapter on aphrodisiacs. Most, almost all of them had some studies that supported their efficacy. Okay. I threw in a few, a few that had not, that didn't have any scientific backing to it, like chocolate, just because I wanted to address it because so many people, you know, recognize chocolate as an aphrodisiac that I wanted to see if it, if there was any evidence to support it. There have been plenty of studies trying to, to identify it as an aphrodisiac that has failed. Yeah, we just um, want other, it to be. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, I was just I thinking, mean, like, you mentioned high fat, well. high salt. And I remember being told, like, have a raw steak, basically, and then eat some oysters. Well, that's a lot of fat and a lot of salt. Yeah. So well, you know, the, the interesting thing about oysters is that they're, they have, I, I want to say, like, almost a full day supply of zinc in one oyster mm-hmm. there wasn't there was a little bit of evidence that showed that that they worked as an aphrodisiac um but the zinc is really a big one for you know for sexual functions zinc is is um it's important in uh, again maintaining optimal testosterone and some other things so that probably has something to do with why it's you know why it's known as an aphrodisiac hmm. Do you um, do you happen alongside aphrodisiacs? Do you talk about supplements? Because I used to, uh, I read some stuff about horny goat weed back in the day because I was drinking mm-hmm. an energy drink that had it in it. Yeah, horny goat weed does have some evidence to support it. There's a few studies on it. Most of the aphrodisiacs in the book, there were like two or three studies, so not it's not a real strong, you know, strong scientific backing. But you know, there were a couple of studies. Um, so I, you know. Yes, we did. The, there's a part in the book that's um, that's all herbal, you know, herbal or animal animal products like uh, you know Spanish fly is is talked about in the book, which is honestly pretty dangerous. I've never I've you never know, used it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so Spanish fly has been used for centuries, if not millennia. Um, there have been so many deaths with it, and there are so many famous deaths associated with Spanish fly. I mean, there were even, you know, royalty in France that, you know, this one uh, queen, I think it was, used to slip some Spanish fly into her guest's um, dinner. Wow. And then she, would, then she would try to blackmail them for their, <laughs> for their indiscretions. Um, and then there was another, you know, another famous writer uh, who was sentenced to death in, in France for um, giving his his prostitute um, Spanish fly in preparation for an orgy and they they almost died so he was sentenced to death uh, but there's a lot of stuff that the basically the amount you need to have a response in Spanish fly is very close to the toxic you know value and it's mm-hmm. like a, it's it's not a you can't rely on it for its efficacy without going to a dose that might be toxic mm. but what it does it does work it does bring more blood flow by irritating the genital tract, you know, the urinary, the urinogenital, uh, uh, the, the urinary tract, basically. Wow. Have you, have you read about Yohimbi at all? Because that's one that I have tried that's over the counter. Yeah. Like you, you can it pick does. it up at GNC. And that one, I felt like the first time I took it, I was having a panic attack. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that one has some research to support it. There's actually been quite a few, uh, you know, more studies on that than some of the other ones on Yohimbi. But again, that was, there were a few that were identified as being, you know, effective, but also just being kind of risky. 
You know, mm-hmm. the, the culinary aphrodisiac, you're going to get a really subtle effect. I mean, some of them have been studied, like cloves, for example, were shown to improve sexual satisfaction uh, within, I think, an hour of eating them. But it's going to be a subtle effect. It's not, you know, it's not like taking a Viagra pill or anything, but it's still fun to, to yeah. try it and play with it. Well, and that's the, you know, beauty of changing your diet for improved sexuality and sexual performance is there's really, you know, what are the side effects to eating a healthier diet (laughs) when we're looking at what are the side effects to everything else that people are trying to improve their bedroom activities? Um, Right. You know, so tell me a little bit more about your practice and how you've been able to fold this into that traditional Chinese medicine and just kind of that holistic wellness component. Sure. So specializing in, in sexual health in private practice, uh, the goal with acupuncture, for example, is to move the qi. In Chinese medicine, when qi when flows abundantly and freely, we have health. When qi and blood flow abundantly and freely. And we can think of qi as um, you know, a nerve impulse firing, the mm-hmm. contraction of the heart. Um, blood is the more yin substance. So if we look at this, the yin and the yang, you know, um, the the yin is the blood, it's the fluids, it's, it's the substance that fills the genitals. And the yang is the, the commander of the blood. It's the nerve impulses that command the blood to flow where we want it during sex. So what acupuncture does is, you know, when it, we, we do needles all over the body. One of the places that I typically do for erectile, you know, to improve erections is I needle the perineum, which is an area below uh, the vagina or testicles and um, in between that and the anus. And that's a major crossing point of nerves associated with sexual function. So when we stimulate that, we move the chi in that area, we stimulate that nerve pathway and it, um, it improves sex It improves blood flow and it improves sex. Um, so, so what we want is this, um, free flow of chi and blood, uh, you know, according to, to Chinese medicine. Now Chinese medicine also had its own school of thought on, um, dietary therapy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does, um, it does correlate a lot with what I found in research. There are a couple things that, you know, a couple discrepancies, but basically when we eat rich, cloying foods, you know, we slow down the cheese. So these are like fatty, greasy, sugary, heavy foods. When we eat more light, airy foods, you know, the cheese flows more, more freely. We don't block it as much. And we can see, you know, this blockage of chi, you know, we can see it in something like plaque accumulation or we can see, we see it physically in other ways. Um, but the Chinese also believed that a good diet would balance the five flavors, mm-hmm. salty, sweet, sour, bland, bitter. And we favor certain flavors. We favor the sweet flavor and we favor the salty flavor with all the processed foods. I mean, how do we get food to taste good? We put tons of salt in it, tons tons of fat and tons of sugar. So, and what we neglect is we neglect the bitter flavor. Now something, a food that would be bitter is going to be something like 
kale or something like spinach or mm-hmm. basically the, the leaves again, like we were talking about earlier. So we have to bring more of the leaves in, more of the sour flavor through our nice tart fruits and, you know, have less of the the salty and the sweet flavors. And I'm guessing sour gummies don't count. <laughs> No, no, all right. No, okay. No, I just wanted to double check. Well, you know, and it's so funny. You know, as soon as you start changing your diet to more flavorful, and just like you were saying, the the five palates, the tastes, you get more flavorful food. It's more enjoyable when you're getting all of those flavors and tastes instead of just one very heavy, salty, or sugary or fatty, you know, food, it's kind of like, uh, you get fuller fat. Like it's just not, you eat more of it because you're hoping to get more enjoyment from it. And you're getting just the same thing over and over again, instead of having your plate right. full of all these wonderful flavors and textures. And, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Just, I'm just thinking about that out loud. Yeah. It's like a lazy way of, of getting <laughs> our food to taste good, you know? So yeah. if we, you know, you can get food to taste that by just dumping, yeah, dumping some, you know, some more salt, some more fat, sugar. But you can get something that's really fresh and healthy if you just balance those flavors. And that was actually a kind of a culinary uh, technique as well as just to to bring all of that to a dish. And it just tastes good. So if I'm making a soup, for example, I do just that, you know, uh sweet flavor it doesn't necessarily mean sugary a sweet flavor in chinese medicine could be like um you know rice for example that's a Mm. sweet flavor you know vegetables most foods bring some kind of sweetness um to it and so when i make a soup i i balance that by i i always squeeze some fresh lemon and even when it's like a you know say a, a chicken noodle or chicken vegetable soup i put a little of that sour in we put some bitter greens in there we put some of the sweet flavor, you know, we have the salty, obviously, with the broth, and it just comes together, and, you know, when you balance that, it, it is so much more delicious. Yeah. So, you know, kind of going on the traditional Chinese medicine and and the sexual health on that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they believe on limiting sex for good health? So that was something that I found really interesting. I did, um, I did, ex- I did explore that notion because mm-hmm. before the, uh, let me see, there was there were a couple points in his in Chinese history, um, but before that, you would want to have a lot of sex. So let's say you take the emperor for example. Mm-hmm. The emperor would have a total of like eighty one mm-hmm. concubines. They'd have loads of concubines. They would have first-class wives, second-class wives. And what they, the goal was to build up their, you know, their vital essence with the concubines so that on the full moon they could deliver this, you know, essence-packed, you know, full vitality sperm to the queen so that she would have an intelligent heir. And so it was thought that the more sex they could have with, the concubines, the better the quality of their sperm would be for the queen. And so um, so that was the notion back then. Then all of a sudden, um, in Confucianism, there was, you know, there was a lot of mixing in uh, medical philosophy with 
government philosophy. Mm. And there was this increase in government control of people's daily lives in, in order to maintain control of, um, you know, political and um, power, you know, power, there was this, you know, this, this push to control everything. And Confucius thought was just the opposite. It wasn't until then that um, sex, you know, too much sex was frowned upon and they were, you know, they were, people were encouraged to conserve their, their essence. Now, in, in traditional Chinese medicine, the essence, you know, our, our vital life essence is embodied in sperm and in menses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, conserve, so it was thought, even, even when this shift occurred, it was thought that sex just nourished the female, you know, so she didn't have to worry about having too much sex unless she had sex on her period. Interesting. Christine, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, okay. I was just I was just thinking on that on that. <laughs> but but yeah, so so basically, yes, modern you know traditional modern traditional Chinese medicine says limit sex. You know, limit masturbation, limit sex, or as an alternative, you can have sex and orgasm without ejaculating. Um, I don't I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but apparently that's, you know, that's something that, that's, you know, that's, that's encouraged. Brady, is that your man Kegel exercise that you've been talking about? Uh, I mean, kind of, but I ultimately come. Oh, okay. Like I don't, yeah, you just I don't, hold it back. Yeah, just for the time. Okay. But I mean, like, the goal is to come. Like, I don't edge. Well, I was just, like, wondering if it's like an orgasm without the ejaculation. Is that know. what you're holding back with your man Kegels that you were talking about? Um, I learned how to do mine from, like, uh like a nursing journal from like Weber state university. Like it was, yeah. a, it was a textbook from the college up there. Interesting. I, I don't know. I was just wondering. Yeah. I was like, I don't hey, know if it's based in we anything. should explore this more. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's based <laughs> in anything Chinese. Huh, that's cool. You might have to tell Christine what you're talking about. Brady, um, does these man Kegel exercises that help him, hold back an orgasm. So then when the orgasm does come, it's better. So I have an orgasm but I don't ejaculate. And because I don't See? ejaculate, I can continue to have sex. Yeah. And that's what she was just oh. saying. Yeah. Oh, and then, wow. and then it, it only works in certain positions. Yeah. Um, because I have to use muscles to hold back. Ah, and then, right. yeah. And then, uh, um, the only problem is when, when I'm done holding back is it makes a mess. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> really? Because there's, there's so much ejaculate. Yeah, it's almost like it's built up. Oh wow, that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, Brady. We, um, we'll I taught have to myself send- how to do it. <laughs> I read about it. I read about it in a book, like an obscure. Like um, I, I was a gifted reader early on, and I just came across like one of my mom's nursing journals from or uh-huh. textbooks from from college, and I was like twelve when I read it, and then by the time I was sixteen, I could do that. Holy wow, that's crazy. <laughs> thanks, Brady, for your <laughs> thanks for letting us always experiment on you and ask you what things are going on. <laughs> Being the male in the room. I, I have no problem with that. I'm I'm always excited, especially if the knowledge helps people. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about the Oreos and kind of heavier 
you know, things and fatty foods probably aren't the best for sex and sexual health. What are some other foods maybe we want to avoid or um, limit? Uh, well, those are the three big ones. You know, high salt, high fat, and high um, sugar. You know, they all they all have those their you know their their effects. Um, it's funny to think about the typical American date night and the diet and the food have. that we eat when we go on those dates. Because, like, if I was courting a new woman i might take her to the movie theater and buy her a trash bag full of salted popcorn <laughs> yeah yeah so you get you'd get the fat you'd get the salt you'd get you know you not, then you have it with a, a soda and you've got the sugar as well yeah so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the triple whammy i was just setting myself up for failure <laughs> right Ugh. yeah and then, and then, like, as you age and you do a little bit more mature things, we go to steakhouses and, like, restaurants that basically cook their food in fat and sugar and salt. And gorge right. on... And yeah. gorge. We don't just, like, have a normal amount. Like, I'll sit down and eat, like I said, a pound of sushi. <laughs> like, because I don't get to have sushi very often. And, like... Right. Uh, well, yeah. well, you know what? If you're going out, next time you're going out, um, why don't you suggest your date? that you maybe have a little salmon. Do you, do you eat meat? Yes, I'm all yeah. about the salmon. I almost get it every single time I go out to restaurants. No. I love okay, salmon. So I hate cooking it. <laughs> what if you have what if you have a spouse who doesn't like fish? Ah, okay. Does she eat vegetarian? Will she eat vegetarian or vegan food? Yeah. Okay, so you know, she can get a lentil dish. Um, but mm. if you if you do if you do like fish, get a get a piece of salmon. Get a baked potato with it. Eat the skin with it because about 40% of the potassium and other minerals are in the skin. And um, then get some vegetables in a salad. Then so you've got a nice little sex meal. Yeah. And Ooh, when you say meal. skin, I like that. you mean skin of the potato, not skin of the salmon. Right. The okay. Skin of the potato. Yeah. <laughs> <Does it? laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> hold on. Potassium. I know that's some potatoes. Yes. <laughs> Did you say baked potato? Now, what if you did it mashed, but with the skin left on? Yeah, you could do that. I mean, the biggest thing with mashed, if you're going out to a restaurant, is just the fact that they oftentimes oh, they add a salt. ton of cream. Yeah. And, yeah, they add a lot of cream and, you know, who knows what. <laughs> but a baked potato, they can't really slip that in there on you. Yeah. Exactly. And I always <laughs> ask for everything on the side when I get a baked potato and they look at me weird. But I was like, I don't want all the stuff. I love, like, baked sweet potatoes, too, but I hate that they put all the sweetener stuff on there. I'm like, it's a sweet potato already. Why would yeah. I want more sugar on top of it and and all sorts of things? So, I know. I totally agree. <laughs> um, Christine, it has been so enlightening, so much that we can learn. And um, Brady, do you mind scrolling up on the screen once more so I can make sure I'm reading the title of the book? Thank you. Diet for Great Sex. Food for Male and Female Sexual Health. And um, where can they get your book? On Amazon. On Amazon. We love Amazon. I'm looking it up right now. You can actually. find everything on Amazon. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, do you have any anything else you'd like our listeners to hear? Uh, well, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book, just to close things up, uh, because in Chinese medicine, you know, 
the physical and the psychological are inseparable. We treat both at the same time. Um, so there's a chapter on just being kinder lovers. You know, mm. great sex is wonderful if you can get your body to work the way, you know, at its prime function. But all of that has to be in the context of viewing our partner as an equal and being kind to one another sexually in relationships and, and you know, basing our sexual experience on mutual respect. Amen. That is so well said. And that just the whole holistic part of wellness and sexual health and relationships. So important. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And if anyone has any questions, we can pass them along. You can email us at saltysexcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Brady. Twitter. We have a Twitter. We have a Twitter <laughs> at Salty Sex Cast. I put a meme up. Yes. And you can become a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash Salty Sex Cast. And thank you all so much for listening. And have a fantastic, salty, sexy evening. But not too much salt. Right, Christine? <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Moderate your salt. Right. All right. Bye. Have a leafy green. Oh, okay. You do it, Brady. So, uh, how does it usually go? A salty. I don't know. Sex. How to uh, stay, stay sexy, sexy and leafy green. <laughs> Love it. Bye. Yeah. And what's puberty? Puberty. 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 Puberty sounds very strange. Oh, if it really bothers you, you should see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work, and our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself. And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.